0: This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com.
1: Hollywood promotes a lie in the fact that there are no consequences, and what you said, you nailed. Consequences are a huge thing that Hollywood is not addressing, and that's what's killing our younger kids, from STDs to uh, suicide to all the things going on. If we would have positive entertainment coming out of Hollywood, John, I know the state of our youth today would be a hundredfold better than where it is today. The depression, the suicide, so much of that junk will be lifted because they have a higher self esteem just because of just one facet that the media is pumping out positive entertainment.
0: Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish. God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, blogger and former actress and Hollywood insider, Tina Marie Griffin. Today you're going to hear stories about what Tina saw during her time in Hollywood and get equipped to empower teens you know. I wasn't able to be a part of this interview, but here's how my co host John Ramstead started this conversation on this edition of Eternal Leadership.
2: Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Tina Marie Griffin. Tina Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on here today.
2: Now, I remember meeting you. We were standing in line for coffee one morning, and we were at the platform conference that Michael Hyatt puts on, and we got to talking, and your story was so incredible, what your passion was, this platform that you're building. Your mission is really to how do I take this pop culture that's out there right now and just take and, and just totally stand it on its head and take make this cultural shift so that we can actually especially as parents and leaders. This is on my mind because I have three teenagers. My first just started college, my middle son is uh, 16 years old and we have a 12-year-old. And we are constantly battling, I think against a lot of these influences that come in through not just Hollywood in the movies, but the music they listen to and the vines and YouTube and Instagram and all these things. They're they're being bombarded 24/7. By what the world wants to feed our kids. And I think as parents, especially Christian parents who just want our kids to have this deep relationship with God and make it their own relationship, not ours, and you know bring that out so it has fruit in their life, especially as young adults, uh, it's a yeah. challenge that I think a lot of us struggle with. And so uh, I would love for you to, you know, the audience doesn't know you, we've got to know each other, but why don't you share a little bit about your background and where you came from, because you just have this Incredible, incredible history. Uh, I know you've been an actress. uh, You've been on uh, all kinds of ABC and Fox show and Jimmy Kimmel, and I could go on and on and on, Uh, but I'd love to hear it from you.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, John. Um, Just to backtrack two seconds, I do think it's really tough for parents today, and now being a parent, I have four kids, six and under. It really, every time I speak, every time I have an opportunity to reach the audience, teens, parents, whoever it is out there, it really means even more to me because now I'm actually living what I'm talking on. When I was a single chick living in L.A. doing my acting thing for a decade, I was very passionate about the message. I knew firsthand because I met a lot of these celebrities and I worked on set every day. But to actually speak now as a parent myself really adds a lot of depth, a lot of urgency, um, a lot more passion. I think the urgency is the best word, to reaching as many parents as possible because now I'm realizing if I can reach the parents, I've also reached the four, five, ten kids that they've gotten at home. If I can help the mom out who feels flustered and can't keep up with pop culture, doesn't know how to help um, take things off the Internet, block something, web filters, questions about game uh, ratings for video games, uh, questions about what apps are the best to put on your phone for safety, or take off that aren't good. What Snapchat? I mean, there's so much stuff out there. Like you said, bombardment from every side. I don't know if I can help that mom equip her in a daily. I actually have a daily tech devotional book I'm also working on right now, as well as the several segments that I plan on putting on in a with Spirit FM here in the state of Missouri on the radio. God has changed my view on, wow, I need to reach the parents just as much as the teens with this message for that reason, to help moms and dads equip their kids with as much tools and safety tips as possible to help them navigate and become leaders of tomorrow in today's media mess. And so God's really been opening my eyes since I'm now a parent myself. The other issue I'm seeing with the media impact on our kids is the fact that a lot of parents, if we're just honest with ourselves... Uh, especially, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to have a higher standard according to what God says. What we should watch, what we should go see in movie theaters, and steer clear from video games we shouldn't play, music we shouldn't listen to, because we want to honor God with ourselves, to also be a witness to others. That's another huge issue: is a lot of parents, Christian or not, are doing the things and involving their lives in things that. When I go do a seminar, I'm trying to help the teens steer clear from, for example, talking to kids about the dangers of drugs or alcohol or cutting or suicide. Well, their parents are currently involved with drug dealing, taking meth. Our state is number one meth state in the country, Missouri. And that's the other side of the battle. Satan is trying to attack the homes, even with the parents, to where the kids are trying to find leadership, and it's hard. So... For the business people out there today, for the parents out there today, for even the uh, adult, single adult or the teen listening, do what God's calling you to do. And I just want to encourage you, do the right thing, even though in today's culture, it seems like we're really going against the grain. God will bless you for it. Um, And so that is the biggest thing over the years. I have been telling teens and living it myself, if you're persecuted, you're doing the right thing because Satan wants you to zip it, be quiet, go down, not say another thing, Um, be a complacent Christian on the bench and not in the game. And God wants us in the game, and that's the best, most fulfilling life possible. And to see teens grasping out of that message over the last decade and rolling with it has been one of the main reasons why I kept doing what I've been doing. I love getting emails from teens. One I got last week, spoke at a conference seven years ago. He's now going to film school to do positive films because of what he heard seven years ago about the need for Christians in the industry so we can change the message coming out from the industry. Um,
2: Well, Tina, I can hear the energy and passion in your voice, and we are definitely going to get into some of the I mean, some, just some really good wisdom and practical advice on how to address some of these issues. But I'd love for you to take us back to me. I, I don't know when the moment was, but, you know, being on set, being around Hollywood, just being steeped in that culture. What was the, what started you, uh, to make that change in course to, to do going from being a successful actress to what you're doing now?
1: Well, I actually, just two steps backward from that, I grew up as a farm kid in Wisconsin. And as a farm kid, we didn't watch much TV. I loved hard work. I learned a lot of great things from my parents as far as hard work, determination, not giving up, all of that. I put a lot of pressure on myself to get the good grades. But God spoke to me when I was going to University of Wisconsin-Green Bay and basically said you, you are going to be speaking, you're going to have a voice. And I laughed because even communication class made me nervous. I'm still nervous when I speak, but he said, I am gearing your heart towards LA. I need you to learn some things. And I'm like, what? Because I didn't grow up doing the acting dancing thing when I was three. I I didn't do any pageants until I was 24. So I didn't grow up in that culture. My parents were farmers. No one I knew went to art school. I mean, this is coming out of nowhere. Um, I just knew I wanted to have a huge impact in our world, and I knew media would be the best way for me to do it with the talents and things that I was interested in. So I moved to LA when I was 20. I graduated from Cal State Los Angeles with a film degree. I was heavily into uh, the knowledge of film, how to direct, how to do editing, and then I started doing acting when a friend of mine from class wanted me to reenact some of the lines from the movie Fargo. and. I thought that was hilarious because I definitely don't sound that hickish. Don't you know there, hey, what's going on?
2: <laughs> oh, you betcha um, there, you know.
1: Yeah, you betcha don't you know. And so I did the acting. I'm like, hmm, I kind of like this. And then I did acting for a good seven to ten years out there doing different things from, like you said, background work on movies and TV shows to uh, acting in TV shows, speaking lines, live shows, traveling the country, doing fashion shows as an MC, a lot of different stuff. L'Oreal Cosmetics, all to I knew at that time, even though I was immersed in it, all to learn as much as possible about what really happens behind the scenes on a movie set, what happens in celebrities' homes at parties, because i would went to several, what happens at the Oscars, I've been at the Oscars. Just learning, learning, learning. So God then I knew it would be using that information to then go over and speak. And how it transitioned over was I was 24 years old walking around the halls of Cal State L.A., and I picked up a flyer to join the Miss America pageant. And I laughed because at that time, I didn't even know how to walk decent in high heels. No joke. And you had to walk a runway. And, John, I'll just be very frank with your listeners. I did not have a good self-image about my body, especially the upper half. I don't know if I have to give you the exact words, but (laughs) hopefully you know what I'm talking about. I had nothing there. And I would go to casting calls and they would want, you know, a model or a spokesperson or work on a music video. And I just felt very self-conscious because I had to put pads up there to even give myself some shape. And so when the pageant came around, I'm like, what am I going to do? I, I couldn't walk in my heels. I didn't think I had the body for it. I knew I had the intellect, the knowledge, and the determination to spread the abstinence message and the media awareness message. So I went on that, got open the door, and I did three pageants in L.A., and that is what caused the guy to shoot me an email and say, I know you're a part of Miss America pageant on the platform of media awareness with our youth, and you speaking out against it and making people aware and exposing the lies. He said, you've got to find out about this guy named Phil Chalmers. And he was setting up a speaking team out of Ohio. I called him. He said, you have 48 hours to send in your application. Pray about it. If you think you're, you want in, let me know. Well, I sat in my bed for five minutes. I said, Lord, I've been preparing for the last five years of my life. I have a lot of ammunition. I know what I want to share. I know stuff going on behind the scenes with these celebrities living double standard lives. And the celebs that are really good raising their kids in a godly home with um, safety measures and protectives around their kids, and they only do positive roles in movies. I want to spread this message to our youth to challenge them to live a, a godly life in today's culture, no matter what people are trying to tell them that their identity lies in Christ, not pop culture. Within five minutes, I'm getting goosebumps now, just thinking about it. That was the life changing moment for me, John, because I was sitting on my bed in LA and I knew that God had so much more planned for me than my acting career that I thought that I wanted. Mm-hmm. God taught me a lot of stuff and said, now it's time for the market set and go. You're you're running the race. And uh, God opened that door a couple weeks later. Had my first music festival booking last minute because a speaker had canceled. And the rest is history. I've been speaking on this topic for the last 11 years. Loving every single minute of it. And doing what I can to let young people, parents, know that it's never too late to pick up the God, God-sized dream that he has for you and to run with it. Run until the race is over when he comes back again or we're called home.
2: You know, as I hear you talking, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, that experience that you had was probably so valuable to really you know, craft the message you have now, what, you know, it, cause you were an insider, you were there. What, if you peeled back the cover, what are some of the most shocking insights you had about maybe the, either the agenda in the kind of the mainstream, you know, movie, uh, music industries about the messages that are coming out into the, the, the culture today targeted toward kids.
1: Yep. Um, there's a lot, Ray Liotta, I met him, I was his personal driver for the Oscars back in, I believe, 2004, 2005. And we had a very good conversation. I was working for Cadillac Escalade for like a three-month period. It was a fun job. I got paid to basically drive that truck around L.A. and pick up different celebs. And instead of a limo service, I would haul the celebs from one spot to another, point A, point B, and talk to them about the vehicle. Well... That job hooked me up with being his personal driver for the Oscars. And just to give an insight clip on that, he told me, I, after the Oscars were over and I took him to a couple celebrity parties, he told me, Tina, this is just not, this is not me. And every time we went into a party, I had my Bible open on my lap, uh, parked up in the Hollywood Hills, and I'll just read more scripture. And every time he came out, he said, what did you learn in that last, you know, in those last three verses? And so I explained to him. I talked about tithing. I talked about my belief in the Lord, about abstinence, about no drugs, no alcohol. And he was he was floored. He's like someone, like there's people like that living in L.A. I said, actually, quite a bit. I have a lot of friends. You know, I told him about my church. And he said, Tina, I'm not into this parting thing. I just feel like I have to in order to be stay up there in the industry, like people just make a make an, uh, statement, you know, make an appearance to keep getting the jobs. And so I challenged him that night and we had a very good conversation. I still pray for the guy today. And this is like a decade later because a lot of floods I realized even working with them firsthand on set, like Brittany Murphy, for example, is another one. I have talked to many over my decade and I share that in my live show with who have all talked to what they've said. Brittany Murphy was another one. I worked with her on Little Black Books. And she said, Tina, I feel like what I say and do in the movies is not who I really am. It isn't. I don't believe in what I'm saying, but I feel like I have to do this in order to get ahead in the industry. And I share that on my Hollywood Exposed CD that I just had uh, released here two months ago. I have a lot of stories like that on there. Why? Because Brittany and I talked for half an hour and she basically told me she felt guilty. I don't want to say that she said she felt ashamed, but I could tell she felt guilty because She knew that when she would do movies like Eight Mile with Eminem and sex scenes and drug scenes, she said, Tina, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I feel pressure to doing it. From my agency, from my, um, you know, the producer of the movie, there's so much pressure put on Hollywood actors that if they don't do what's on the script, they're not going to get that that movie booked, they won't get the following movie and their career will go down the toilet. So a lot of them have a huge pressure to do and say what they're told to do and say and dress a certain way. I've lived it myself. There was a movie that the one lady, I think it was for an Austin Powers movie. I worked on one of them, The Spy Who Shaked Me. I worked on that one. But I got called back for another scene in one of the other movies with that series and they wanted me to wear like a, I'm not even kidding you, a six-inch skirt, maybe. It was a black, leather tight skirt. I was like on the verge of tears putting it on in the dressing room, and I finally it over the door, and I said, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I told the, the chick who was giving me the wardrobe, the wardrobe lady, I said, I, I can't put this skirt on. She's like, what are you talking about? doesn't fit. I said, I can't consciously wear this skirt. And act in the scene you want me to act in because I will not be able to live with myself. It's something I don't believe in. And I didn't work on that movie again. There was stuff that I got shot down from and jobs I didn't have. But the pressure that I realized that celebs are under is off the charts. And so I can see how a person like Miley Cyrus, um, how people like Britney Spears how uh, a number of singers, you know... Katy Perry blank, comes to mind. Katy Perry, being a, growing up in a Christian home and saying, now she sold herself to the, sold to the devil. I have that clip, interview clip on this CD as well. So much pressure that I can easily see how Satan attacks them because of the huge influence and how they fall under it because the pressure is so great. So, And my heart breaks because... It's not just their lives that are being cut short from what Christ got for them. It's the millions of fans being influenced by these people.
2: So why is this, you know, for people listening, why is everything you're talking about important? This understanding kind of this behind-the-scenes look at, at the culture there? It sounds to me like it's in just this incredible culture of, of compromise because if you don't compromise – it is very hard to succeed in that environment, and I'm sure that message is then coming across, either directly or indirectly, to the, to the kids and young adults uh, who are, you know, tuned into it.
1: I, I agree, and it really comes down to identity for me, because so many celebrities that do these roles are not, they don't know the Lord And they don't have a relationship with him, and so their identity is based on how much money they make, the status, how many films they've done. And I've had many conversations with people saying just that, and I'm like, oh, and then be able to witness to him is awesome, but those chances are so few. But that is what they base it on, because their identity is not based on Christ. Well, then you have millions of teens that are being influenced by Hollywood, and the reason why I feel the media is my main passion is that so many teens base their identity on who they are, what they're into, their friends, if they have to date, what they wear, what they drive, what they listen to, what they watch, all because of what their friends are telling them to do and what media is telling them to do. And that's what breaks my heart. If people knew and I'm I'm only seeing a glimpse of what I was there for a decade. There's so much more horrific stuff that I am slowly finding out about and doing research on after my acting career because I'm still doing a lot of research on what happened behind the scenes. If we can peel back this layer and in a 90 minute show that I do live show for the last 11 years, I expose a lot of these lies and then interweave with that God's truth, God's scripture. And then at the end, how can we play a role in today's world in today's society in our culture to make a difference? The kids are on fire because you cannot deny the video clips that I show, and I have a lot of my, on my website as well, the video clips alone with these celebrities interviewing saying they admit that they are following Satan, that they're, they're demon-possessed, that their agenda is to uh, follow his plan, that all they care about is their own homes, they could care about anybody else's kids. That's the majority of Hollywood today. And the thing is, like in this CD that I just put out, Hollywood Exposed, I also talk about celebs like Madonna and Eminem. Madonna sheltered her kids from the entertainment she herself produced. The song she was in, she did not let her kids listen to, and yet she produced it for other people. So these people are good parents. They're excellent parents, actually. They watch over exactly what comes in their homes. But what's killing me is that promoting an opposite message for the rest of our culture, our rest of our kids, to listen to and follow those ways. And yet people like Eminem rewrite the lyrics for his daughter Haley to listen to. <laughs> and now Haley's 18, 18. I think she might be 19. I just read last summer an article where she was interested in dating this guy, Jeremy, Jeremy comes to the front door to pick her up on a date. And Eminem's like, Hey, what's up? You know, Marshall matters. And, this guy is like, oh, it's so great to finally meet you. I grew up on your music. I love your music. And Eminem in his interview is like, what have I done? My daughter is now going to be dating people that were raised on my music. I don't think so.
2: Probably no, no different than the uh, drug dealers that are they're they're dealing it, and all they care about is the uh, the money they're making. They don't care about the lives that it. are destroyed. And I think that you is so it. powerful I mean, because you know one of the things because I just did you know had a conversation with my son. And you know one of the one of the songs because uh, I just hit pause and I said, "Did you hear what he just said about women?" I said, "If you ever, if that ever sinks in, and you have that same view about women as just an object, as a as a servant, as somebody just to fulfill, you know, this physical need, and that's just being soaked into your head, and then that's going to come out." In ways you don't even know, buddy. You know, I've been around long enough, this actually happens, and it's going to be really hard for you to just have that deep, authentic relationship like me and your mom have. I mean, you're, you know, my wife and I, we've been married 25 years. We've had our ups and downs, but you know, we are just best friends. We hold hands walking down the street, and I love it. If, but if you had that mindset going in, you know, especially as a young kid, you, you are really going to struggle. I think that's why kids, uh, now you look at the millennial generation, Tina, um, they're dating yeah. longer, they're living together, but they're not getting married now until their uh, late 20s, early 30s. They're not having kids till their late 30s. And I think a lot of this is they don't know. They're not equipped to have a healthy relationship, and it's almost like through a lot of heartbreak and, and, and failure in relationships, they actually finally learn, but it's taken them a long time to get there because because of what is being sewn into them as young as, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and then all the way up high school, college.
1: I completely agree. And then the other issue you have is the fact that technology is bombarding them at every angle. They're texting each other down the hallway three feet away from each other instead of having a face-to-face conversation. Yeah, I don't know if
2: we can fix that one. That one's pretty stuck. But, you know, one thing I'd love to bring up from an app standpoint, though, is Snapchat. You know, we've taken that off our kid's phone because there was something that happened here in Colorado that shocked me. And I read this to the boys. Um, A girl had sent a naked photo through Snapchat to her boyfriend. And then he sent it back to her, uh, one of him. And you know, everybody knows on an iPhone, you can hit the two buttons and and get a screenshot, right? So even though the, the, the picture is deleted, you can have a permanent copy. Well, uh, the parents saw this picture of this young man and he was a minor, but guess what happens in Colorado state law? That becomes a felony sex offender conviction that follows you the rest of your life. People have no idea that some of these things that they're doing that they think are is safe. Right. Other kids are doing it. So it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, somebody sends you one like that. And if the kids engage in some of that behavior, um, not only so let's just take the felony sex conviction, which will ruin your life. Um, but I was just talking to my friend, he, or or my, my sons, they go to a Christian high school and they monitor some of the social media feeds and things. And, and, and he was like, well, why are they doing that? I said, I, they're teaching you a lesson because I will guarantee you, because I work with a lot of companies, a lot of employers, a lot of business leaders Listen to this will relate to it. You check somebody's social media feeds, their Twitter feeds, old stuff. When somebody's coming on board, you want to make sure there's nothing yeah. about this person that's that's you know could be a problem. And there are a it. lot of hiring situations where people have just been a lim- They could be the best candidate you interviewed, but you are disqualified because of something that they found. And all this stuff—it's permanent. It's—I mean, you can't go delete it in a lot of you cases. Can't. And the, and the kids aren't, they're, they're not aware of it. They're not aware of the, they like I said before, they want to, they think they can kind of live and party and carry on without consequences, but there are consequences both here in this world, but also eternally. And I think as leaders and parents, and, and uh, it's incumbent upon us to just have those open, authentic conversation with the kids, have that safe place to talk about these things
1: Hollywood promotes a lie in the fact that there are no consequences. And what you said, you nailed. The consequences are a huge thing that Hollywood is not addressing. And that's what's killing our younger kids from STDs to uh, suicide to all the things going on. If we would have positive entertainment coming out of Hollywood, John, I know the state of our youth today would be a hundredfold better than where it is today. The depression, the suicide... So much of that junk will be lifted because they have a higher self-esteem just because of just one facet that the media is pumping out positive entertainment. And that's why my heart still aches for Hollywood. That's why I'm still praying over the slugs that live there, that they see Christ, know Christ, and promote Christ in media because it has such a huge influence in our country and in our world.
2: Well, you know, I, I think you brought up something uh, that's really important. It's just about identity because, you know, these young kids this age, just with everything on display, I mean, just even the good moments, right? Facebook, like right? we're always seeing people's happy moments. And we compare yeah. that, you know, we compare that to ourselves. Like, wow, I didn't have a summer that was just this constant, amazing adventure. But, you know, they're kind of stringing together all the little clips and snippets of all these different people's lives and they start comparing themselves to that. And all of a sudden, they're like, you know, I need to start identifying with maybe some of these celebrities, like a Katy Perry or Christina Aguilera or maybe an actress. Right. Uh, But, you know, it was really encouraging. You know, there's other guys like Chris Pratt, who was just in, um, you know, Jurassic Park. Now, he uh, I saw an interview where he said that, you know, in the last few years, he's just really become a strong Christian and his family is so important. And he's only going to, you know, do roles that, you know, he felt, you know, he could answer for. And, you know, so there are some bright spots out there, but I I think what it really comes down to is that healthy relationship, being present with our kids, taking that time to have the conversations, just spending time with them, Um, not just letting them be alone in their room for hours at a time, just entertaining themselves. And you know what? The dividend, you know, it takes some work because we're busy. Right, we're we're running our house, we're running our companies, we're we have interests outside the house, but making our children, making them the priority, not you know because you know a lot of times we talk about you know uh, legacy and you know and transferring wealth and business skills, but I think also transferring a sense of self worth, leadership skills. Uh, An understanding of not just who the kids are, but who God wired them to be. What are their gifts and their strengths that are there and how they bring that out in their life in a way that can be joyful because it really can. And I really think, you know, Tina, it really starts with mom and dad modeling to the kids how a life lived that way bears fruit and is joyful because I really think, um, and this is my opinion, a lot of reason that kids are... Pulling away from the church in this generation. Uh, It's why I did when I was younger. I saw my mom and dad. We went to church every Sunday. And when it became my own time, when when I went to college, I didn't see anything there that was really appealing to me other than the fact that I was obligated to go to church every Sunday. I yeah. didn't see anything there. It was like, yeah. wow, you know, here's what they did with that. Here's why it was important to them. It showed up in how our family operated and how my mom and dad treated other people, what we did outside the house, what we did together as a, as a family. So uh, I think yeah. there's just so many things that, that we can be doing. Um, you know, my, my wife and I, uh, we were talking just about our calling and our purpose, and I, and I have a very definite calling for what I'm doing right now is really equipping and inspiring leaders to work in God's kingdom. But Donna felt her calling right now in this season of her life, 100%, is to just raise her kids well. That is that That's is so what awesome. she feels like she is called to do. And you know what? To be able to do that, we've had to make a lot of sacrifices. She hasn't worked yeah. for 15 years. She's been home with the kids, and she used to make more than me when she when she quit her work. But so I, I think it's just important to look at some of those. Dynamics and those situations, and just I, and, you know, not everybody can do that. We were fortunate. I had to work two jobs the first couple of years to to make that work, and I was fortunate to have enough, you know, the jobs that were pay us enough to do that. So, I know that's not an option for everybody. Seventy three percent of the women working today have kids at home that are under eighteen, and and it's yeah. hard. We're busy, but I think taking some time to you know the things you've talked about to take some importance on that. So, you know, as we wrap up, if people have been listening to this, Tina, what are just some final thoughts you'd love to leave with people?
1: Well, because there's so much content and I, if you want more info, I'm always the type of person that wants to get as much info out there as possible for things, you know, just to help people, help people and get the answers. I would say, even if you're an adult listening here today and, and you think it's too late for you to start over and whatever that means, whatever that looks like for you, if it's too late to ask for forgiveness, those are both wise. It's never too late to start over. It's never too late to ask for forgiveness, to give forgiveness. Um, it's never too late to start a different career path, a different ministry. If you have a job, if this is reaching out to you and God's trying to give you, trying to get clarity from the Lord and you had a career for 20, 30 years thinking, I'm making good cash and I want to make sure I'm providing for my family. But if God's calling you to a ministry to save souls, trust God in that. Go towards where he's leading you, even if it might mean what you just said, John. Less money. Less um, a little bit harder life, whatever that looks like, because the biggest thing you can do is be obedient to God. And the best thing that I know that, that I'm being obedient to God is doing what I'm doing, speaking and sharing information that I know. And so there's a lot of resources on my website. Reach out, email me if you have questions, check out the resources page, check out the store. If you want to partner, I'm also a non so if you want to help sponsor schools and be a part of what I'm doing, let me know. But the biggest thing you can do is be obedient to what god's calling you to do no matter what the cost and to keep investing in your kids because you you are training them up to change the world when they're ready to be let you know free when they're 17 18 years old and off on their own and we only have such a short amount of time to make that huge impact um And so thank you, John, for
0: having me on. If you'd like to learn more about Tina Marie Griffin, her blog or show, the CD she just referenced, just go to eternalleadership.com slash zero eight nine. That's eternalleadership.com slash zero eight nine. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back. John and I can't recommend the team at Marketplace Rock highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us, episodes four and 66, marketplacerock.com. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Robert Mallon and Bill Watkins from Rusty Lions Academy. Our real key thing is to help entrepreneurial men or business leaders uh, to really have what we call extraordinary lives through outer wealth and inner significance. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.